Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to the Kākāpō Files from RNZ. I'm Alison Balance and this is episode 20, Behind the Scenes of the Kākāpō Health Crisis. Later on, we'll catch up with Deidre Verko, the manager of the Kākāpō Recovery Team at the Department of Conservation. She has the latest news, including some positive news in amongst all the gloom. The gloom, of course, is the ongoing medical crisis, which hit the population in late April. Since then, more than 30 kākāpō have been sent from Whenuahau, Codfish Island, to vet hospitals on the mainland for testing and treatment for the deadly fungal disease, aspergillosis. Last week, I visited the New Zealand Centre for Conservation Medicine at Auckland Zoo to find out what it takes to care for a whole lot of sick kākāpō. At the time, the zoo's conservation vet team were treating 18 of the 35 birds that required care. But bear in mind that a week is a very long time in the kākāpō world, so there'll be some updates later in the show. But for now, let's go behind the scenes at the zoo with veterinary manager James Chatterton. The zoo has had to find extra space to look after so many birds, which means there are kākāpō stashed in some unexpected places. So this is one of our rooms at the NZCCM and with the help of our maintenance department we've very rapidly um, converted it to a kākāpō hospital. So another big room with an aircon to keep the climate controlled and then a bunch of pens so normally in a busy year we might have two or three kākāpō perhaps in a whole year. And at the moment we've got 18 birds in the hospital, so it's necessitated us building a whole load of other pens. We're somewhat fortunate the kākāpō can't fly, so we don't have to have covered aviaries for each one. So this is a room with a whole lot of partitions in it, basically. So who have you got in here? Four chicks. So we've got one of Esperance's chicks and one of Quihi's chicks in a pen together. And then we've got two of Awarua's chicks, 3A and 4A, I think. And they're separate because one of them's had a sore leg, but they're going in together today. So... We're trying to keep the chicks in with each other in groups of two, three, five. So they've all got friends. The adults, we have to keep one by one because we know they're not particularly pleased at being in the hospital together. So do all of these birds have aspergillosis? So it's still a very dynamic situation. I guess on one hand, we've now got a number of adult females affected, but we've now found at least one adult female in a high-risk group that doesn't have it. So that makes us hope that we're starting to understand how far the problem might go in the adult females. Unfortunately, across the three different veterinary hospitals involved, all the chicks we've scanned so far, all 17, have all got respiratory disease. And so there's a concern that in all of those 17, it's aspergillosis. We haven't yet CT scanned a chick that's normal. And so that's one of the worries. 
And the other thing we have to bear in mind is, although the initial birds that died for sure had aspergillosis, and many of the chicks that we've CT scanned have changes that are consistent with aspergillosis, there are actually other organisms that could be causing the same signs on CT. So in some of these birds, we might have to put a little endoscope, a little camera inside their body surgically and take little pieces of the granuloma and culture that and make sure that we don't have more than one thing going on. We're focused on the aspergillosis. It's the most likely thing, but there's a number of other organisms that could be also at work at the same time. So this is a very dynamic situation. It's a big problem to start with and it's it's actually quite complicated and there's lots of threads that we need to pull together and we're right in the middle of understanding that at the moment but I guess day to day what we're trying to focus on is the individual birds in the hospital and trying to trying to minimize the problem for them so we're giving them the treatments that we think they need to make them healthy and also trying to make their life as happy as it can be whilst being in hospital there's not many people like being in hospital and I think the Kakapo would agree We've got maybe around 100 birds on Fenuaho, chicks and adults and juveniles. And we've been working through a priority list. You can't CT scan them all in a day. We might not need to CT scan all of them, hopefully not. And so we've been doing a load of investigations to focus our efforts on those that might be at higher risk of disease based on what we understand of the problem. And working down that priority list as quickly as we can. And I guess right now we're hoping we're getting towards the end of that priority list, but we don't quite know that for sure yet. And I think the next week or two will help us understand more and know how far this problem goes. Um, but it's certainly a monumental effort by, by Doc and all the rest of us that are able to come in and support them. I think this is unprecedented work certainly in my career this level of support for a wild animal so I really wish we weren't in this situation I wish I was seeing Kakapo under nice circumstances but part of me feels that this is why we as a vet hospital exist to try and help this exact situation and this is why we get up in the morning to come and try and help patients over this so it's not always happy outcomes and it's certainly not stress-free work but you know, I'm hopeful we can we can minimise the impact for the individual birds and hopefully minimise the impact on the population as much as possible. Because of the nature of the disease that they've got, we don't know if it's going to be possible to save them all. And we know that we won't know for several months either, because it's not, even if you can fix it, it's not a quick fix with Aspergillus. And so I think we all have to be patient and resilient we have to learn from the birds and be as patient and resilient as they are. I guess we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know how, quite how big or how bad the outcome will be at this stage, but we'll get through it one way or another. It must have been gutting to have lost Hoo-Hanna and Hockey. Yeah. I mean, we obviously, we don't like losing any of our patients, and but particularly the old adult breeding females that have such a rich life before them. So I guess with Hannah specifically, we knew that the clinical signs that she was showing were that she was slowly starting to choke to death. Her airways were blocking up with aspergillus lesions and despite several weeks of effort and multiple operations, we were unable to fix that. And so we ended up in the stage where we knew that she was going to die. Really sadly, we 
weren't able to fix her. You know, we want to save all of our patients, but we also know sometimes we can't save them all. And sometimes we can't change the fact that they're going, going to die, but what we can do is change the way in which they do go. You know, I felt some comfort with who Hannah in that we could step in a few days before she died naturally and make the end more peaceful than it would have otherwise been. So, of course, that was a really tough decision for us. But actually, I feel like it was a nice decision for her once we understood that there was no hope of her getting better, that we made the end peaceful, because if we'd have not stepped in the way she was going to die would have been really a very horrible way to go. Mm. So this pen's got Esperance 2B and Quihi 2A in it. Esperance 2B is the youngest of the chicks that we've got here and she's been with us the longest. And you can see how she's really keen that we're here. So she is like the hand-reared chicks. So she quite likes people going in with food now and she'll open a beak and, and let us give her her, her hand-rearing food. And so we're always mindful with these hand-reared chicks that they don't imprint. Um, and we know from previous experience the ways in which to do that, to make sure that she still grows up knowing she's a cockerel. But it's kind of nice for us as a vet team when you have patients that are actually quite pleased to see you, because you certainly get a very different reaction from the adult females that we've got here who really aren't that happy with us. Um, so we, we like spending time with, with these guys. So some of the other ones are looking quite grown up. Esperance 2B is still looking like a bit of a chick. She's still got some fluff on her. Yeah, the remnants of the grey chick plumage and she's got her adult feathers come through now but they're not quite fully unfurled and fully in place and she's probably only about two-thirds or three-quarters the final size she'll be as well. Alvaroa 3A's tromping around back on the top of her fishbin. Such amazingly different personalities, you know. Even as chicks, some of them are really shy and hide away in the boxes and don't want to come out, and others are really bold but keep themselves to themselves, and other individuals want to come over and interact. And even with the adult females, you know, we know that some of them are real climbers and will try and climb up. Some are very calm and take it all in their stride, all the hospital treatment. Each one's a really an individual and some are chatty and noisy and tell you what's going on and others are just really quiet and reserved. I guess some are introverts and extroverts, just the same as people, right? Thanks, James. That was vet James Chatterton. And now I'm off to meet the rest of the Auckland Zoo vet team caring for sick kākāpō. Hi, I'm Michaeli Wilson, um, clinical coordinator at the zoo in the vet hospital, but also do a lot of field work with kākāpō recovery. Anchor was pretty special this season. I was on there last season when it was the first time they bred, and that was pretty epic, being out there for the milestone. Yeah. Mind you, this year's been a milestone of, of different kinds. Yes, definitely. Very big season for numbers and then now what's going on so it's a bit of a high and a low. So 35 birds at the moment of which you've got 18? Yes and so we have five adults and the rest are fledglings or one chick. Okay now where have we come to now? Yeah so we've come to the quarantine building which is our main area for food preparation and also uh, all of our adults are in this building and then from there we head off to our different areas where uh, we have found a space to (laughs) basically making them fit into wherever we can. (laughs) Before I'm allowed into the quarantine area, 
I have to put on sterile gumboots and overalls. And then my first port of call is the preparation room. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm one of the vet nurses at Auckland Zoo. So what are you busy doing here? We've just finished drawing up the medication for the last remaining kakapo that need to be uh, fed and medicated. So what medication are you actually giving them? So it's uh, quite a combination. We have them on pain relief, which is an anti-inflammatory, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. We have them on enrofloxacin, which is an antibiotic. Some of these guys are also on an oral vulconazole, which is an antifungal treatment. We are also nebulising them. Uh, We've got two different drugs that we're nebulising them with, depending on the bird. It's either vulconazole, a different version of the vulconazole antifungal, or it's amphotericin B, which is a different antifungal. And then in the evenings, they're also getting tubinafine, which is yet another antifungal. So we're hitting them all sides with the antifungals. Right next door are three of the five kākāpō mums that are currently at Auckland Zoo. Weherua Tanga o te pō, Ihi and Ponamu. Today is time for the weekly blood testing. So, and you're the vet taking the blood samples today? Yeah, today I'm the lucky one. So you're just prepping for that? Yeah, we're just getting all the slides ready, the uh, blood tubes, the syringes and stuff, so that we don't have to hold the bird too long, not cause more stress than needed. You look like a bit of a laundry in here. You've got a huge bin full of towels. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge amount of uh, washing that needs to be done because we keep the birds on uh, blankets sorry, and on towels to also make sure they don't develop any issues with their feet. So it's all very carefully uh, managed. But that, of course, results in a lot of washing. And also a lot of people have been donating a lot of towels and things, which has been great because we really need a lot of it and we go through a lot. And we have lots of volunteers helping with all the washing, which is amazing too because it's some major work. So you can imagine if you have one baby how much work that is. And we have like now, yeah, 18 birds and they poo a lot. So uh, it's a lot of washing and cleaning. You've got a pile of vegetation in the corner here as well. Uh, yeah, they get a lot of enrichment. It's just, uh, yeah, to keep them happy, of course. Uh, it's also something where they can hide under if they feel like, you know, they want to hide away a little bit. Uh, they also eat from it. So it keeps them busy, gives them nutrition, and it's a place to hide. So it's, yeah, perfect enrichment. It's, again, like a lot of team effort because all this gets collected by staff at the zoo. Fantastic. So I can see... Palm fronds, I can see pseudopanics, pohutakawa, totara. Yeah, and there are a couple that they normally wouldn't get on the island, like pine, which they actually really love, which is a nice and easy one. Flossie famously raised three chicks on pine. The Fiordland babies were raised on pine, so some bad Gulliver and Kuya, it didn't do them any harm. It's also good enrichment for us because it always smells so nice here. Like the enrichment has this really nice smell and the birds have a really nice smell too. So it's nice to come in here. (laughs) So who are you going to do first? So if I pronounce this rightly, Wihipu. She's one of the adults and uh, yeah, we're just going to take some bloods from her. I can already hear her. Um, She probably knows something is coming up. But it's really needed uh, to help them, um, you know, getting through this and uh, for us to be able to give them the right treatments and, and, and follow-ups. She's probably been taking a bath because she's really wet. They like to go in their water bowls and just splash around and have a little swim. 
So we're taking a weight now from her. We're taking weights uh, every day to make sure they're staying on their weight or even increasing. Most of them actually need to gain some weight. They lost quite a bit of weight during the breeding season, especially the adult females uh, feeding the chicks, having to take care of the chicks um, takes, of course, toll on them and they lose some weight. So we just have to make sure they gain some when they're here. Because she's been in the, in the water bowl, she's really having cold feet, which makes the blood taking much more difficult because the veins kind of collapse and then the blood doesn't run well. So we might have to warm up our feet a little bit before we're actually going to be able to get a blood sample. Do you want to explain what your handy foot warmer is? So the foot warmer is a latex glove that has warm water in it. It's, you've got to be careful, make sure you don't get too hot because you can burn, and of course too cold. It's just going to constrict those vessels a bit more. So. A novel use for a latex glove. So we got a good blood sample now. So with the blood sample, what are you actually testing for? So we're doing actually a whole range of testing. So partially it's what we call hematology, which actually shows inflammation in the blood. So it gives an idea about the white blood cells and all the different types of white blood cells. And it gives us an in- indication of yeah how the body is reacting to an infection or an inflammation. And then we also do biochemistry, which shows more uh, how the organ systems are working. Is the liver working okay? Are the kidneys working okay? And uh, several other values. We're also taking some bloods to actually see because they are on quite strong medication to treat the aspergillosis infection to make sure that actually the medication is well absorbed and gives good blood levels. So we're doing some pharmacology. And we're also making sure that there's no side effects on the medication we're giving or that we have to make any adaptations. So we're now putting her in the nebulizer, which is part of the treatment. So they get treatment which is actually nebulized in a smaller environment, which they then inhale, which then can directly work into into the lungs and the trachea. So she's one of the birds that definitely has aspergillosis? Yeah, so they have been CT scanned and they all show respiratory lesions. It's very hard to actually know 100% if it's aspergillosis or if there's also other infections. So there can still be bacterial infections also. So aspergillosis is a fungal infection, but you can also have bacterial infection that can give similar lesions on the CT scan. But for some birds, we know for sure that it has been aspergillus. So we suspect in this case too, um, because that's yeah what we have found in all the other ones. So that's the nebulizer being turned on? Yeah. So that's the equivalent of us putting our head over a bowl of hot water with a towel over our head? Uh, Yeah, it would be similar, but of course with stronger drugs. And this is actually used also more and more for uh, humans. Um, So these nebulizers are actually used in in, in humans too. Um, We're using a very specific type though because they have a very different respiratory system. It gets absorbed differently, so you need a, a specific type of nebulizer. How long does, will she stay in there for? So she will stay in for half an hour in this box, yeah. And then after that she will be fed. Uh, she still needs her food. Can you just quickly explain to me how bird lungs work and how they're different from us? 
So the bird respiratory system is quite different in a way that they don't only have lungs, they also have air sacs. So it's a very different system how the air actually enters into the lungs and into the air sacs. So yeah, they also don't have a diaphragm like we have. So there's no division between like we have a thorax and an abdomen and in between there we got our diaphragm which actually separates it. So in birds it's actually one system, so it works quite differently. Anne and the team have two more mums to take blood from. Ihi, who will need nebulizer treatment as well, and Ponamu. So Ponamu is the, is the last one we're doing. She's always uh, yeah, giving a bit of a fight too and making a lot of noise. She so, doesn't have aspergillosis though? At the moment, at, on the CT scan, there's no indication that she has aspergillosis. She will still stay with us because uh, she also is on a lower weight after the breeding season. And also we want to make sure that we know what's going on on the island before we would put her back. But we definitely want her to gain condition again, so that's why she will still stay with us. I'm now off to see some of the chicks being fed, so it's back to the preparation area. Time for lunch, is it? Uh, it's still breakfast, actually. <laughs> oh, breakfast for the birds. Yeah, this is a late brunch. <laughs> so what's that delicious brown slop you've got on uh, that enormous syringe? Yeah, it is an enormous syringe. So this is actually a Katie's um, powdered diet for um, hand-rearing baby parrots. And this is their baby bird formula that we're feeding our juveniles, I guess you call them now, because they're not really chicks anymore. So you look like you're adding little amounts of something there. What's that? So um, they're on three different um, medicines in the morning, oral medicines, I should say. So one's an antibiotic, one's an anti-inflammatory, and the third one's an antifungal. So you're just popping that in with the food? Yeah, exactly. So we just hide it in there just to try and minimise the amount of stress that we put in the birds because then we can just feed it to them via the tube, mixed in with their food, and then we know it's getting right into their crop rather than sort of trickling into their beak. A little cocktail. (laughs) It's quite the drug regime. (laughs) We have to go outside now, so it's off with the clean gumboots and overalls, and we will put new ones on once we reach the building that the chicks are in. On our way there, we pass a couple of hard-working volunteers. You look like you're the laundry brigade. We are. <laughs> so you're volunteering and helping doing all the washing of the sheets and the towels and the... And everything, everything else that doing. comes with it, yes. <laughs> it's like having a whole lot of children, isn't it? Worse. It's a privilege to be able to help. Oh, good on you. Yeah. We've moved to one of your other buildings. You've got kakapo stashed all over the place around here. <laughs> we do at the moment, yeah. So we're kind of building more and more pens as we're receiving more of them. So, yeah, so this room's quite a really nice room for them to be in because it's lots of space and we've got a group of juveniles in here, five of them. So, yeah. So how do you know who's who? To start off, there's two different, like, different colour variation in the feathers, but that doesn't always help you. So this is Um, an olive one? Yes, this is an olive bird. So um, that kind of reduces the number down, but uh, doesn't tell us individually who it is. So all the birds are microchipped now. So we've got a scanner and we, just to be 100% sure, we scan every single bird to make sure that we're feeding the right medication in particular to the right birds. So this one is 877 is Pearl. That's Pearl 2B. So you're going to feed them with a feeding tube directly into their crop? Exactly, yep. So Pearl was still being very nice to us and very kind to us and she'll let us feed her with a chick tube which is much less stressful because she's quite happy just to sit there. The other ones that are getting a bit chompy on your fingers we have to restrain as adults so a little bit more stressful but still quick. You try and make it as fast and as stressless as possible. 
for the birds and for me. <laughs> Breakfast over, Pearl Tooby strolls off. Oh, I just love it when they waddle off. <laughs> Not all the juveniles are this laid back. Meet Nora 1A, who the vet staff say complains about everything loudly. So I take it this is Nora. This is Nora coming, <laughs> yeah. You can hear her a long way off. So Nora was handed an invercargill for a short period, then spent some time in a nest with a mother, and is now here. So she's had an interesting life. So. Thanks Nora 1A, and a big thanks to the Auckland Zoo vet team, including Michaeli, Amy, Breeze, Natalie, Anne and James. Now, back at the top of the show, I promised you some good news, but I'm afraid there is also, not surprisingly, some not-so-good news. Here's Doc's Kākāpō team manager Deirdre Verko, who I spoke to just this morning. Kia ora and welcome back to the Kākāpō Files, Deirdre. Kia ora, Ellie. Thank you. So we're starting today with a little bit of sad news because we've just heard on the podcast Nora 1A sounding like she was in fine form last week. She was grumpy and loud. Can you tell us about Nora 1A? Yeah, it is really sad. So Nora 1A died yesterday just as she was coming out of an operation to have a tube replaced to help with her treatment. Yeah, it's really a kick in the guts, really. And I mean, Nora was a fantastic bird, and I think this really highlights what we're dealing with here, that the birds look great, they're full of life, and but they've got this really deadly disease going on in the background, and the vets are trying heroic things to, to try and recover these birds. But I think this is a, a just a reminder of what we're dealing with and makes us realise that, you know, I think we have some more losses ahead of us, unfortunately. Yes, when I spoke to James Chatterton up at Auckland Zoo last week you know he had said we haven't lost anybody for a while but that there probably will be deaths and he made the point at the time it's just an evolving situation and it feels like we're just waiting and there's nothing else we can do to speed up the resolution of things you know the treatment is a long slow treatment. Yeah it is it does feel um, like we're in a bit of a holding pattern there does appear to be a bit of a range of severity in the cases and I think over time we'll understand more about that but there are definitely some birds being treated who are similar to Nora 1A who are quite severe in terms of what's going on with them. So, yeah, it's really, really hard to deal with. I just want to know where this is going, and it's difficult for the team. Until Nora died, there were 36 birds in total that were being treated at the three wildlife hospitals. That was six adults and 30 chicks, now 29 chicks. And that had gone up a little bit since I last spoke to you two weeks ago on the podcast. So we've got 35 birds in care across the country now. Uh, we've got 17 at Auckland, 12 in Dunedin at the Wildlife Hospital there, and six at Wild Basin Massey. So there's still great numbers out there in care. And since I talked to you last, we have sent a few more birds, which brings us to that total of 35. So we sent Cindy, one of our adult females, and four chicks from Fenoho late May up to Auckland. And that was part of kind of coming to the end of sending our highest risk birds based on some of the blood results that we've been seeing. And then shortly after, we sent a chick, Roha 3, 
up to Wild Base at Massey and that chick had been fully fledged for quite a while and had seemingly been doing really well but had started to show a bit of concerning weight loss. Under ordinary circumstances we may not have worried too much about that weight loss and just tried to support that chick a little bit more in the field but given what's happening at the moment with this obviously we were really concerned so we watched her for a wee while and when we saw that weight loss continue on a downward trend we didn't wait any further and we sent that chick off to check to Massey. Thankfully the results of that chick have come back negative so that was our very first negative result from a, a CT scan of a Fenua chick. That's yeah, great. great. <laughs> I know it felt like a tiny little corner that we turned there and we were all you know really relieved uh, with that. She going to go back to Fenua Yes, that's the plan. Depending on how she is in general with her weight, we're trying to get her back to Fenua as soon as we can, and it may be as early as this week. Do you think you might have to send more birds off Fenua in the immediate future? Are you getting any sense of that? Right now, everything feels okay on Fenua We're not detecting any more birds with difficult weight loss, or we don't have any other cause for concern based on the blood results that we've seen. But we're just trying to wrap our heads around some of the most recent CT scan results that we've got and that will help us make some decisions about whether to test further. So where are you at with the CT scans? I know last week at Auckland Zoo there were still a number of birds that were waiting on scans. Well, including Ruha 3A that just went to Massey, we've had another 10 CT scans done, I think, since I last spoke with you. We're still waiting for two results, but we do have the results of, of, of the others. So it's a mix of news. Probably... The worst news that we've had is that Cindy, one of our adult females, has got quite a severe case of aspergillosis, so that's a real blow. So she'll be treated at Auckland, along with Margaret Marie, another one of our adult females, who has a severe case of aspergillosis in it. And those adult females are really difficult for us, the birds that we know really well, they're really reliable breeders, they've been around a long time, so it's really hard to, to receive that news. But... On the plus side, we do have one adult female, Ponamu, who's absolutely clear of aspergillosis and almost ready to return to Whenua Ho, hopefully within the next week. And in reviewing some of these CT scan results that we've had earlier, now that we've had more results come in, the vets are kind of getting a lot of reviews done. And it looks like both Ihi and Wihipo, who are two adult females, have a bit of a borderline case. So there's probably some good hope there for those two adult females to get back to the island soon. So it's not all bad news, but yeah, I was really gutted to hear about Cindy. I'm particularly fond of Cindy. Um, This is me putting my little tuppence halfpenny worth in again. Back in the day when I was filming Kākāpō, I briefly filmed at Cindy's Nest. And she is, of course, the mother of Queenie, who I named. So, yeah, good luck there, Cindy. I'm sorry to hear that she has a bad case of it. Yeah. Other birds that have been cleared, you did send four chicks off Anchor Island that you were concerned about. What's happened with them? Yeah, so those four were cleared of aspergillosis and two of them are returning to us tomorrow actually to continue hand-rearing in Invercargill and two of them will stay a little bit longer in Massey just to hopefully resolve some other ongoing health issues that they have. So that's pretty good news there. And yeah, we'll be hand-rearing in Invercargill again. Now you've still got a few hand-reared chicks that are out on Whenua Ho. Where are they up to? So we've weaned all of those hand-reared chicks on Whenua Ho, so they're completely off the hand-rearing diet and they're eating a mixture of apple and kumara and, and pellets, which is kind of a background supportive food for them, but they're tucking into the natural forest foods, which is fantastic. And four of those eight 
chicks were actually released into the wild on Monday night. So that was a real exciting time for the team, a real landmark. So, yeah, they've been checked a couple of times since and seemingly really enjoying their their large space to explore. So their hand-rearing pen is, is down near the hut on Whenuahau. Where do you let them go? We just pick a spot on the island that's not overcrowded with birds, somewhere that they've got really good space to roam. They're not going to bump into too many adults. So we've found a, a wee area up on the east side of the island and, and let them all go together and they'll just dis- disperse from each other over time. So when are the next four going to be let go? Well, sometime over the next week, hopefully, possibly this weekend. Oh, that'll be so exciting to send them on their way in that big wide world. Yeah, it sure will. We'll miss having them near the hut. Kākāpō chicks at this stage when they've just weaned and they're just learning to climb and flap and get down out of trees, they're quite comical. They're absolutely a hoot to spend some time with. And I think that's been a good thing for the team to have something really positive to do every day, looking after those chicks and just really enjoying them in the context of what's happening in the wider population at the moment. Now, in the last couple of weeks, there's also been a couple of shout-outs for public support in different ways. How did that go? We've been approached by so many people, uh, mainly through social media, saying, look, how can we help? People were finding it really hard hearing all the news and effectively kind of standing on the sidelines and, and not knowing what they could do to help. So we set up a aspergillosis fund on our, on our normal donation platform. So we receive donations from the public regularly for Kākāpō and that makes a real big difference. It allows us to do extra research, it allows us to go that extra mile. So we added a aspergillosis-specific tag to that donations page and since we did that, we've had over $100,000 in donations made, which is pretty overwhelming. It's a fantastic response and it's really clear that people really moved by what's happening and really want to help out and interestingly a large proportion of those donations I think 60 to 70 percent came from overseas so this has got some global attention what's happening here and and yeah it's fantastic that people feel they want to connect and want to give like that. Doc will be putting in significant resources here to make sure that we can um, treat and manage this as best as we can Um, and those donations that have been put through they'll really allow us to put in some extra work too here so that we can hopefully, not future-proof, but allow us to understand what we can do in future to detect this earlier, to understand when it's likely to occur. So, yeah, we're really, really thankful for that additional support here. It certainly shows how much this season the story of Kākāpō has touched people's hearts around the world. It has. And, you know, we got quite a few messages from people after we um, put out that opportunity saying, look, thank you for, for giving us this chance because we really, really want to help out here. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing and it kind of makes you feel good about the world that we live in when people do care so much. When I was at Auckland Zoo, they were talking about how many people it was taking to look after those 18 birds and I know that they've since put a call out for more experienced vets and vet nurses to come and help and I think they got a pretty good response too. They did. They had an amazing response. I've had vets and, and keepers contact them from Singapore, UK, America all through Australasia. So, yeah, that's been overwhelming as well. And how cool is that? Yeah, it's really nice to see this this global support. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, these are really skilled people that are coming to help out. So I think we're in a really good position to hopefully support the amazing work that the teams at Auckland Zoo and Dunedin Wildlife Hospital and Massey are doing 
um, if we can tap into into that, you know, international uh, willingness to, to help out. Fantastic. Well, the listeners and I will keep our fingers crossed that there are no more further cases of aspergillosis and that the birds that are currently being treated will start slowly, because it is a long process, slowly getting better. Yeah, well, actually, we just got some more CT results through that give us a little bit of hope. So I talked about how Roha 3A at Massey had been cleared, and that was the first chick from Whenua Ho to be cleared. But we've now had some more clear results come through just in the last few days. So I believe in total we've now got nine birds that are that are clear. So that includes one adult Ponamu who's on her way back to Whenua Ho. So we have the four chicks from Anchor in that total as well, and we've had another four chicks from Whenua Ho come back clear of aspergillosis. So that's really exciting, and potentially we're starting to see the limit of the cases now, which would be really encouraging. That's very heartening news. Yeah, it's really heartening and a huge relief, and I really hope that if we have to get any more CT scan, that that just keeps backing up those clear results. One thing I will say is there's a whole lot of business as usual going on out there in, in Kākāpō world as well. We're, we're just about to start transmitter changes, which is an annual thing for us. And we've had to farewell two of our wonderful staff uh, over the last few weeks. So Theo Thompson, who was one of our rangers and spent a lot of time on Anchor Island this season leading the, the work out there. And Freya Moore, who was one of our amazing rangers on Whenoho. So they've both just departed recently and you know we'll really miss people like that and we're in the middle of recruitment for some new team members so yeah we're, we're trying to to keep things ticking over and to keep the good work going and try and manage this aspergillosis issue at the same time as best as we can and we're really really thankful for the amazing support we've had. Thanks Deirdre. That was Deirdre Verko from the Department of Conservation and I thought I'd just run through the numbers again to remind us where we're at right now. In total, there are 142 adult kākāpō and 72 living chicks. There are 35 birds, 6 adults and 29 chicks, currently in treatment in vet hospitals, but some are about to be sent home. 17 of these birds are provisionally considered to be infected with aspergillosis. 15 are chicks, while the mums, Cindy and Margaret Marie, have been diagnosed with severe cases of the fungal disease. A further four birds have mild or borderline infections, including the mums Ihi and Weheruatanga o Te po, who is often referred to as Wehepo. Nine birds, fantastically, are clear of the disease. The adult Ponamu, four chicks from Anchor Island and a further four chicks from Whenua Hau. We are still waiting to hear whether two more chicks have aspergillosis or not. And then there are three medical cases, Merv with the cataracts and the two chicks with the brain hernia and the broken leg, respectively. Right, got all that? I'm off to Whenua Ho tomorrow for some more field recording for the Kākāpō files. And I can assure you that before I'm allowed to set foot on the island, I will be undergoing the usual stringent quarantine and biosecurity precautions. To give you an idea, I have washed all of my clothes, scrubbed my footwear and wiped down my sound gear with Sterigene, which is a highly effective antiviral and actually anti-everything disinfectant. My sleeping bag has been dry cleaned. Every item will be thoroughly inspected again in Doc's Invercargill quarantine store, 
to make sure there are no seeds or dirt or any kind of stowaways stuck to the Velcro or lurking in the dark corner of a pocket. I look forward to bringing you some more kākāpō sounds from the island in the next episode of The Kākāpō Files. In the meantime, a huge shout-out to you, the listeners, for sharing this kākāpō breeding season with me and for being so generous with your donations to help the kākāpō recovery team better understand aspergillosis. If you'd like to donate, then just search online for Doc Kākāpō Recovery. I'll put a link on our webpage as well rnz.co.nz slash kākāpō Many thanks for your company Until next time on RNZ's Kākāpō Files it's cheerio from me Alison Balance Matewa. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.